We turn then in God's Word to the Gospel according to Mark chapter 6. This has been a very action-packed chapter. A lot has taken place within it. We come to at least the end of the chapter, but certainly not the end of Jesus' teaching and work. Mark chapter 6. We're going to pick it up at verse 53, and we're only reading 53 through 56 this morning. Mark 6, verse 53. Let's hear then the breathed out word of God to us this morning. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. As far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, these last three weeks have been a very trying time for us, for some more than others. But Lord, we came through it because you brought us through it. You promised us that you would never leave nor forsake us. And you healed us the same as you have healed these people in our passage we just read. We thank you for your healing power. Lord, we pray that in these words that will be given to us today, that there will be treasures that we will find that will sit in our souls and help us through the trying times that still come. We pray that you will give Pastor Bob wisdom, clarity of mind and speech, that he will be able to transfer these words from your holy book into our hearts through your power and through your wisdom. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. And amen. Three things from this passage this morning as we consider this text, first of all, the place that is referred to, this is the first time that Gennesaret has been mentioned. And so it does us well to stop and to reflect, where is Jesus? What is going on here? What do we know of this place? Secondly, we want to look at the people that are indicated for us here in verse 54 and their actions as well. And then thirdly, to note the power of Jesus. So the place, the people, and the power. As we deal with the place, a couple of notes. One, first of all, the geography. Uh, this place called Gennesaret is actually a valley. It's about four miles by three miles. It is one of the most fertile places uh, on and in Israel. But it's also uh, a little bit confusing. In the Old Testament, this place that is referred to here as Gennesaret in the Old Testament is called Chenereth. 
We find that in the book of Judges. And what makes it also confusing is that the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus and the disciples have been traversing back and forth uh, throughout this chapter, is sometimes referred to as the Lake of Gennesaret. And so it, it sometimes refers to the lake. It sometimes refers to a region. It sometimes refers to the specific four-mile by three-mile very fertile place. It is on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum, a village, is actually part of the area that would be known as Gennesaret. So you, you have to imagine an area, and it has on the side of it, a little bit to the north, the city of Capernaum. But the thing to note about this is its productivity. Gennesaret actually means princely garden. There are some who believe that the interpretation we have of Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 1 where we talk about the Rose of Sharon is actually a reference to this particular area as the Garden of Sharon. As the Garden of Productivity. The unusual thing about this particular area is that it has deep soil. Most of Palestine, the topsoil only is on the, the top portion, and then you have hard rock or bedrock underneath, making the productivity limited. But here, because it's in the valley and probably the silt from the mountains has been draining down to it uh, over the generations, has created an extra layer or an extra deep layer of fertile soil. We are told by Josephus, the Jewish historian, that walnuts, figs, olives, and grapes grew in abundance, as well as many other types of plants and flowers. There was actually a law written by the rabbis that said during the time of the three Jewish festivals, no food from the area of Gennesaret could be brought into Jerusalem. Now the question would be, why did they make that rule? Because it was so good, they didn't want people coming to the festivals just for the food. Now, one can well imagine that, right? Okay, we live in days and age and societies in which various church groups are known for some particular type of food. And it's like, well, yeah, we're going to that church this week. They're, they're making that food this week. They have those pooch keys or whatever it is this week. We're going there. We're going to pick those up. Okay, not really being spiritual, not really having in mind that what it's all about, but centering on the food. Sometimes I think we run into that with our Easter morning breakfast as well, that there might be people who might be tempted, well, of course I'm coming to church that Sunday. We have good food. Not at all thinking about that which we are celebrating, but concentrating upon the food. So the rabbis made a rule. 
no fruits, no vegetables from this area of Gennesaret could make their way into Jerusalem during feasts and festivals so people would not be tempted to come just for that. Now stop to think a minute. This is where Jesus has the disciples go. This place of fertile soil. And as we read this account, what fertile soil it actually was. Capernaum, the village, the town, was not like this at all. There was great unbelief within the city of Capernaum. Some believe that's because Nazareth being the boyhood home of Jesus, Capernaum actually became the village or town where the family actually lived. And so because of their familiarity with Jesus, they sort of reject him as a result. Gennesaret, although it's connected to that, seems to have a much different reaction. So secondly, look at, with me at the people. Notice what happens in verse 54. When they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. So those who are there see Jesus and they know who Jesus is. And they don't reject him. They're not turning their backs on him in terms of unbelief or no faith. They recognize him. An interesting word. To recognize means the mind is at work. It means their thinking. It means their reasoning. They're cognitive. Okay? They're, they're going through a process. They see the figure. They connect the figure with that which they know from the past. They see the actions. They see the movement. They see the way in which he conducts himself. And they process it. And they know that this is Jesus. Because of their familiarity, because they have been instructed, because they have perhaps visually seen Jesus or have heard of Jesus, they recognize that the one now getting out of the boat, the one coming to their shore, is Jesus. And then note what they do, verse 55, and ran. They know who this is, and so they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever he was. What a picture that is before us of these people. They hurried. They saw the opportunity. There is no delay. There's not walking. It's not like, oh yeah, maybe I should go get bread. Yeah, yeah Jesus is here. It's not like there is some sort of pause or some sort of waiting. It is not like some sort of, well, let's wait and see what he has to say, and then we'll decide what we're going to do. Their first response, their immediate response, after knowing who is before them, is to run and to bring others. We have not really seen this kind of response to Jesus throughout the book of Mark. 
That's why I say I think there is a connection. There, there is something going on here between the fertileness of the land and the fertileness of the hearts of the people of that land. They are open. They are receptive. And they are willing to take the actions needed to bring others to Jesus. They ran. One wonders, as we consider our own lives, our own hearts, do we run to bring others to Jesus? When Dave and Carly stood a few minutes ago, we asked them a question. And the question we asked them, do, do you endeavor by all the means that God has given to, to raise Luca to know the Lord? Yes. See, that's a running question. We will do all we can to make sure that Luca comes to know Jesus. We will bring him to Jesus. We will do all within our power. When a baptism is done within our congregation, that becomes the responsibility not only of Dave and Carly, it becomes our responsibility as well. We too need to be running to do all we can, to do all we possibly can, exerting all the effort that we possibly can to make sure that Luca is brought to Jesus. And so the question we have to ask ourselves in regards to the baptism that we've seen this morning, are we running? Are we doing all we can? Are we endeavoring ourselves by all the means that God has given? Oh, and we'd say, well, we don't have that many opportunities. You're right. You're right. As a congregational member, we don't have a lot of opportunities. But this is one, isn't it? Tonight's another, isn't it? And we have our needs. We have our prayer that we might consistently be praying for Luca. This is what we are responsible for. This is what we are obligated to. Not because we made some statement, not because we said I do. We are members here. That's our statement. They ran. But what about those outside of here? Because we have responsibility not only to these baptized children, we have responsibility to those in our community. Are we running to them? How much effort are we actually putting forth to our neighbors? Right here, around Little Farms. See, they ran to the region. 
They ran to where they were physically able to go and to bring. Oh, Jesus is going to, as we read in, in the Heidelberg Catechism, of instituting the responsibility to go to the world. No doubt. Go ye into all the world. Yeah, we should be running everywhere. But I can't take that many trips to China. I can't take that many trips to the Middle East. I can't take that many trips to South America to go physically. But the question then is, am I doing it in the geographical area of what I am a part? How much effort? They ran. Why? Because they recognized Jesus. They knew who this was. And they knew he was the healer. They knew he was the great physician. They knew. And so they ran. And look at what happened. They ran and began to bring the sick people on their beds. Those who could not do it themselves. Those who could not get up. Those who were so weak. Those who were so sick. Those who were so ill. They brought them on their beds. Remember we have the story of those four men who, who carried the man to Jesus and lower him down through the roof. They carried him. There were groups getting together. I need help. I need assistance. I need to get this individual to Jesus. Will you help? Yes, of course I'll help you. They didn't just say, well, I'm just letting you know Jesus is on the shore. If you want to come, I guess it's up to you. Person saying, I can't. I, I, I'm too ill. Well, too bad. Guess you're going to miss your opportunity then. They carried. They brought them to Jesus. What a picture of these people. The work, the effort. They did all they could for those who could not on their own. Third thing to note is, look, they laid them before Jesus. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. Right out there in public. This wasn't private. This wasn't like, well, hey, Jesus, could, you know, this could be a little embarrassing to us. We don't, we don't want to have things go wrong here. So, Jesus, could, could we do this in the house in private? No, right out there in the marketplace. Right out there in public. See, this is an evidence of their faith. They're not doubting. They're not questioning. They know, they believe so strongly, they are willing to do this publicly. Lay the sick before Jesus. Jesus, here is my friend. I took him from the village. I brought him to you because I know that you can heal. Here you are, Jesus. Here they are. People standing around, people looking. But they don't care. 
They would rather stand and confess Christ before men. This is what they do to show forth their faith, their love, their commitment, their devotion. And note as well, they implored Jesus and implored him. They begged him, Paralico, to call out, Jesus! Looking to Jesus and Jesus alone, looking to Christ and him alone. Why? Because they recognized him. They knew who he was. Let's just stop and consider for a moment how little these people actually knew of Jesus. And look at what they were willing to do. How much more, how much more do we know that this one who can cure diseases, who can make the lame walk, who can make the blind to see, who can make the deaf to hear, who can cleanse the leper, is the one who can heal, restore, cleanse, purify our souls. I encourage us to run, to bring those, to lay them before Jesus and to implore Jesus. Because we know him. Now look at the power. And as many as touched him were made well. As many. That means all. That means everyone. That means there was no exceptions. That means Jesus didn't stop and go, well, you know, I, I, let me analyze this one. This one is too powerful for me. This is one beyond my reach. Jesus states in John chapter 6, verse 3, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And certainly this is the case, right? They're coming to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't drive any away. All who touched it were made well. What incredible power, what incredible reach, what incredible love, what incredible mercy, what incredible compassion we see here in Jesus. As many. Can we not this morning testify that we too are included? That the grace of God reaches even us. That's why we come to this table. We come to this table understanding our great need. Understanding that we need to look to Christ and to Christ alone for our salvation. And understanding that Christ cleanses all who come to him. 
in faith. And he in no wise turns them away. All, no matter the depth of our sin, no matter the grossness of our depravity, no matter the rebellion and the length of time that we have rebelled against him, he welcomes us. Because he never turns aside those who truly come. Secondly, I want you to note what it tells us here at this last phrase. As many as touched it. See, in the previous verse, it tells us they implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. What an interesting statement, isn't it? Because you know the last time we were in this region, there was a lady who for 12 years had had an issue of blood. And what did she do? She touched the fringe of his garment and was instantly made whole. Remember that story? Remember? How do these people know? How, how is it that occurs to them that they don't need Jesus' hands upon them? All they have to do is touch the edge of, her, of his garment. Could it be that a woman has been telling the wonders of Christ? So that when Jesus lands on the shore, they recognize him. This is the one we've been told about. Bring the sick. Bring them all. Come to Jesus. Just touch the fringe. Lord, if they do so, if they reach out like this woman. Because remember what Jesus said. It's not the fringe that made you well your faith. Lord, if we believe like she did and just touch the fringe of your garment, Lord, we implore you, please heal. Please, please. And as many who touched were made well. Perfectly whole. No remnant left of the illness, disease, disability that they had had. No partial healings. No incomplete. All were made well. Completely restored. That's what Christ has done. He has made you well. He has completely made you whole. He has washed away all of your sin. We were reminded of that in all that we read about baptism. This washing 
an outward thing that points to the inward work of Jesus Christ. A sign and a seal of bread and a cup to remind us that that washing comes through Jesus' crucified body and shed blood. And that by that, we are made well. Completely whole. Father, thank you for this reminder. These few, few verses of the fertileness of Gennesaret. Oh, and we would pray, Father, how we would pray that little farms might be the Gennesaret of this region. That out of the fertile soil of the faith that you give, many might be brought to Jesus and that many others might be made well by reaching out to Christ in faith. In his name we pray, God's people saying, amen.